0: 32 teams set out, now only two remain. This Sunday night at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California, it's the Rams and the Bengals for the right to be called world champions. Welcome along to the show. I am your host, Richard Graves, and we've pulled out all the stops ahead of Sunday's big game. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by two big-name guests as we look ahead to Super Bowl 56. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Welcome along to Graves on Gridiron. The Super Bowl is, of course, the highlight of the US sporting calendar, and it's a big time matchup between two teams in red hot form. I'm delighted to say, looking ahead to this Sunday in the Rams against the Bengals, I'm joined by two well known guests. The first, frankly, needs no introduction. He is my old Super Bowl sparring partner, a member of the 1985 Chicago Bears championship winning team. It's a man who knows what it feels like to play in the big game, and more importantly, Sean Gale, you know what it's like to hold that trophy aloft high above your head in celebration.
1: It's a special time. Every ball player, starting back with uh, Little League, elementary school, uh, you have this vision in your mind of being at the top. And the only way to really prove that is to hoist that trophy. Uh, You go through college, you finally get your chance into the pros, and you know the ultimate goal is to consider yourself a champion because that always stays with you.
0: Now, you and I would usually be on the sideline a couple of hours before the game gets underway discussing what, what might be the keys to winning this matchup, Sean. But we're both working back in the UK this time around. However, that being said... We are joined by somebody who actually is on the ground in Los Angeles, taking in the whole Super Bowl experience for the very first time. She's a former member of the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, an intern on the team from a couple of years ago. It's a very warm welcome to Phoebe Schechter. Delight to have you with us. Most importantly, Phoebe, how is LA? Well, thank you so
2: much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show with you guys, and it is a lot to take in. I'm sure you can probably hear the rustle and bustle going on behind me, but it's been incredible. I'm on Radio Row at the moment and there's just so many people, incredible to see so many athletes just walking around, past legends, people still playing. I mean, it's it's almost like too much to take in, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it,
0: it is still a little bit different, isn't it, with uh, the COVID protocol still in place, the players getting into town a little bit later than they usually would on Super Bowl week. But let's turn our attention to this weekend's game. Of course, understandably, a lot of the hype surrounds the the two quarterbacks. What's the sense that you're getting on the ground there in Los Angeles, Phoebe, and the way the the locals are edging? I mean, already having it be in LA, the Rams are
2: definitely the the local favorite, right? So fortunate to be able to have their team playing in a Super Bowl. But, you know, talking to a lot of people here, I think what Joe Burrow and the Bengals have done so far this season is consistently blow people out of the water and and blow out their expectations. I think we look at the beginning of the season and nobody thought that the Bengals would be here. You know, they didn't think they were consistent enough. So you get a lot of mixed feelings on what are the Bengals going to actually look like in this Super Bowl game. But the biggest talking point will always be that defensive line against Joe Burrow.
0: Well, you mentioned that no one's giving them a chance. I think before the season began, you could, could have got 150 to one, against the, the Cincinnati Bengals winning the Super Bowl. In fact, I think there's only the New York Jets and Detroit Lions with with higher odds. But here we are in the Super Bowl, led by second year quarterback Joe Burrow, someone who seems, frankly, unflappable, Sean. You know, no matter how many times he gets hit, he picks himself up, dusts himself down, and get gets on with the job. You know, in the setting to the backdrop of Hollywood this weekend if the Bengals were to, to win this game, it really would be the, the fa- fairy tale
1: story, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, he is unfazed. Usually, when you find a young quarterback that doesn't show any signs of being concerned, uh, he's too naive to be worried, right? But with Joe Burrow, it's a different story. This guy actually, you actually believe in the fact that he knows exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And you can see how this has affected that entire organization. Uh, and believe me, it would take a lot to turn around an organization for one player to do that and for for him in his second year uh, to show up and, I guess, not just perform on that level week in and week out, but take the beating that he's taking because psychologically, that's very difficult for a young player or for any player. I I don't know uh, of any situation where a quarterback's been sacked nine times and still just holds his composure the way that Beryl did. That was incredible.
0: Well, let, let's talk about that, shall we, Sean, because he was sacked nine times in the divisional round against the Tennessee Titans and still managed to lead the Bengals to victory in that game. He was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL during the regular season, 51 times he was sacked, uh, and yet he seems really unflappable. I mean, you played on a championship-winning defensive team Sean and the whole idea was to get to the quarterback put pressure on him knock him down knock him out of his rhythm but what do you do on on defense if you can't knock a a quarterback out of his rhythm
1: oh that's a good question I'm sure in the meetings that question comes up a lot with the coaching staff on the defensive side uh, for the Rams you know you have to look at the situation as this play him as if you play any quarterback but you realize that uh, he's the type of guy that he's not going to be afraid. You're not going to uh, uh, get him to make any major mistakes just on the fact of, of, uh, of him not seeing something or understanding something. He's really composed. So, I, I mean, the same way you would face any potential Hall of Famer, and I'm not calling him a Hall of Famer right now. What I am saying is that you have to approach the game the same way because when you have a quarterback that's, that, that's consistent, and he is the heartbeat of not just that offense, but the entire team, you have to give him that respect because the reason he's here is uh, why he's earned that respect. Well, Phoebe,
0: let's talk about the, the hometown boy, or certainly the hometown boy after last year's trade 12 months ago, Matthew Stafford, because if Joe Burrow comes into this game without any real expectation from anyone outside of Cincinnati on his shoulders. It's the complete opposite, is it not, for Matthew Stafford, who was brought to this organisation with the sole aim of getting them over the line and delivering that Super Bowl championship. And here we are now, just 60 minutes away from achieving that dream. Yeah, and McVeigh has been completely
2: upfront and honest about his goals. I and I really actually love that. That's what he was saying. That this is the year, you know, with COVID, with everything that we've all gone through, he wants to live for the moment. And he put together a team that's going to win the Super Bowl in this moment. And for Stafford, there's a lot of pressure, especially because we've seen him not just throughout the years, but specifically this year, still make a lot of mistakes from that quarterback position. You know, whether it's with interceptions, making bad decisions out there, the thing that's saved him now being with the Rams is that he's got such a great defense around him that can kind of hold him together. With the Lions he didn't have those weapons around him to be able to really make those bad decisions or make those poor plays and be successful. So, I mean, when it comes down to it for the game, you have to think who's going to make the fewer mistakes, who's going to be as perfect as possible and really protect the football.
0: If the Rams were to win this Sunday, it would mean that Matthew Stafford has as many Super Bowl championships as someone, say, like Aaron Rodgers. Um, he would have gone 4-0 and through this postseason. He would have delivered on the goal, bringing him to the LA Rams of delivering a second Super Bowl championship in in franchise history. What do we think it would do for his legacy?
2: You know, I think it would just mean so much for him. You know, I I know he's gone through so many struggles with different teams. I mean, everything that's gone on with his wife in the past, with obviously with her, her brain cancer. I mean, he's overcome a lot of hurdles and he's overcome a lot of negativity. And, you know, I think it's easy for people on the outside to just pick on players, pick on decisions, you know, but that's not easy. That that eventually, if you let that get to you, can weigh really heavy on you. And I think for him to, at the end of the day come to a team, come somewhere where he was able to reinvent himself and and be with a coach in a system that really believed in him and allowed him to be successful, I think there's no better feeling than something like that.
0: Uh, and Sean, the reason I ask this question is because if Stafford does win this Super Bowl on Sunday, he's at a stage in his career now where next season you'd imagine he'd go into the top 11 all-time in passing yards in the NFL. Like I say, he'd have as many Super Bowl championship wins as Aaron Rodgers, who you'd imagine will be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, uh, Are we getting carried away with what this would mean for Matthew Stafford and the way we look, look at what he's achieved in his
1: career? I don't think so. Uh, you know, Phoebe's right. He's, uh, he's a tough guy. Um, for, for any player to play in a system where he's featured, but he doesn't have the surrounding entourage of uh, extremely talented players year in and year out, uh, yet he continues to perform at a certain level and carry the team on his back, you can only root for a guy like that. And you realize what it means to him and his family and how long he's been uh, the guy in Detroit. And people look at Detroit and think, okay, this is a, this is a, a, a game that yeah, we're going to mark on our calendar as we've won this game. You know, We just have to watch out for Stafford, but uh, never considered as a viable challenge. But here's the guy. Finally, in a situation, having an opportunity to show the world that his talents are legit. Uh, and in a certain situation here, as uh, uh, we, we talk about leveraging the team with all these uh, movements for veteran players instead of draft picks to go after the Super Bowl right now, there's really no better way to do it than to get someone like a staffer because he, after what, 12 years, 11, 12 years, he's already played. Um, won his first playoff game with this team, yeah, he's got he's to play it to the, to the point where it's, it's granted that he's going to be held up and looked at as one of the, the, the better quarterbacks that have ever played in the NFL. And it's unfortunate because think about the great quarterbacks. Uh, we only remember the guys that played on good teams um, and the ones that win Super Bowls. There are a lot of quarterbacks out there that have talent and skill, but a number one draft choice, meaning he did it in college, uh, and he's done it his entire career in Detroit, but no one ever considered him a real champion um, on his level of play. So now that that may change, and that may change uh, just in a couple of days. And that's why it's
0: so important to have that winner's ring on your finger, as you keep telling me, Sean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. You hold it up to, uh, to show the world.
0: Okay, well, let's turn our attention to defense. We'll start with the hometown team, the the LA Rams, and their star defensive lineman, Aaron Donald, three times NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Um, He's already said this week that the one accolade he's missing is that Super Bowl um, championship. We've already seen that quite often, even double teaming. him doesn't work so if you're the Cincinnati Bengals how do you go about game prepping for somebody like Aaron Donald Phoebe
2: No, and and if you're the Bengals, you're going to have to look at ways to slow them down. You're never going to stop the Rams' defense, but how can you give yourself a chance? Because something the Rams' defense will do to the Bengals is take away those really big, explosive plays that we know that they love. He's just not going to have that time in the pocket. So whether you're getting your tight ends to kind of chip or jam on their way out to the flats, get some more screen game in, you know, really trying to just make the defense respect what the Bengals are trying to achieve. And... You know, those, those explosive plays will come over time. The more you suck in the defense, suck in the defense, and they'll be able to get those Jamar Chase's wild catches downfield. But uh, it's going to be interesting because, they, I mean, Rams defense is stacked, right? You've obviously got your Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, at every level, there are people that are coming for you, and you've got major leaders on defense for the Rams.
0: And has been, and has been said many times before, Sean, it's defence that wins championships. And this Rams team isn't just about Aaron Donald. They brought in uh, a trade for Von Miller, the Super Bowl 50 MVP from the Denver Broncos mid-season. They've got Jalen Ramsey on the back end. They traded some first-round picks to acquire him a couple of seasons back. Leonard Floyd is on the other side of the, the defensive line. Uh, there's no secret to what the Rams have been doing here. They've pushed all their chips into the middle of the table. This game, this season, is all about winning a championship right now.
1: It is. And if you remember, Richard, it was you and I having a conversation. uh, I believe it was, well, it had to be a conversation when the Rams were just about to play New England at the Super Bowl. And we talked about how they had leveraged their team. And the big question mark on that Monday following Sunday was who would they be able to keep because they couldn't pay everyone. Um, I remember that conversation and that holds true now. Uh, it, you know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this game because um, the pressure on the Rams in Los Angeles and the way this whole thing has been put together. Um, I really enjoy, you know, this watching great defense and they have an all star team uh, defensively for the Rams. Uh, and and just the way that this game is going to, I guess, pan out, you have to take a look at what the coaches have planned to try to avoid that that pass rush. Uh, it's going to happen. OK, he's going to get they're going to get to the quarterback. We know that. The question is, how are they going to counter that? How are they going to respond to these things when they they take place?
0: Yeah, and we know they're likely to get to the quarterback. As we mentioned in the Bengals game against the Tennessee Titans, on nine occasions, quarterback Joe Burrow was picking himself up out of the dirt, having been sacked. And if the Rams' defense is full of star names, then the Cincinnati Bengals certainly are not. Perhaps... Trey Hendrickson aside, who was their sack leader through the regular season with 14 sacks. But the name I want to talk about is Lou Anarumo. And if you're outside of Cincinnati, you might say, who? Well, he is the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he's managed to put together a scheme to outfox Patrick Mahomes on a couple of occasions this season. Integral in comebacks in both those second-half wins over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and he's the man that really has organized the defensive side of the ball. Sean, what's impressed you so much about Lou? Um, perhaps little known if you're outside a, of Cincinnati, but he's certainly had a big impact and a huge influence
1: on their defensive scheme. Well, you mentioned the key word, schemes. I mean, the way he's able to put uh, put players in the right position. He's got this, this thing about versatility with his players. He wants the same guy who's able to rush a quarterback to be able to drop back and and take care of a a passing lane. Uh, Keep in mind, in three playoff games, this coach, this defensive coordinator, and this defensive squad, six interceptions by six different players. That tells you that they're doing something special on defense. And the way they were able to, uh, and this, Phoebe, is why I picked Cincinnati, was because... The same way D- – Don't you go upsetting Phoebe <laughs> while she's on the show, show. <laughs> I appreciate well, the, it. <laughs> the, reason, yeah, the reason was, you know what, that last game of the regular season, I think it was when uh, they were able to shut down that offensive attack and KC did not have an answer for it. And I'm looking forward to the same thing on on Sunday because uh, Lou Amorato, look, listen, he coached at Harvard, all right? What does that tell you? He coached at Harvard, and he coached the defensive backs. So to me, he's got a place in my heart. I mean, someone like that, he's going to put something together. Uh, he's going to do the late rotations with the safeties down from two deep look to a robber to try to catch uh, Stafford without, uh, without his, uh, his goggle eyes looking for a, a cup. It's going to be interesting, but he knows exactly what he's doing, and he puts his players in situations that they can win. Think about this. I mean, he rushed three players versus Kansas City using the rest in in, uh, in pass coverage. That echoes to uh, Bill Belichick and how he beat the the greatest show on turf, rushing two to win that game. So, I mean, when you make adjustments like that, you can only respect a, co- a coach to believe in his players and believe in a system that, that we may not have seen before but it works and he employs it. That's great.
0: Phoebe, what are your thoughts on Lou? Because, albeit remotely, the coaches have been meeting the media this week and everybody talks about the star names on the Rams' defensive side of the ball. But as Sean pointed out, scheme often goes a long way to defeating a good offense.
2: He has. I mean, I've seen that. He's been doing some interviews for head coaching roles or had been previously. And, you know, I think sometimes some of our defensive coordinators in the NFL kind of get put to the wayside because people don't necessarily always appreciate everything and the hard work that goes into it. I mean, and the scheme changes it. And and I love the Bengals for that reason. Like Sean said, I, I can completely appreciate that. Now, coming up against the Rams, you know, are they going to be able to hold true to that with Cooper Cup, with OBJ, with all these weapons, especially looking at the last couple games where, yes, Scheme held those two players specifically back, but actually at some point they're going to break free. They're going to figure out your Scheme, and so actually at halftime, that's going to be the key. How are the team really going to be able to adjust? Because now you've got the Rams who have been able to look more into what the Bengals have done over these past few games. You do have some similar kind of body types, similar plays as uh, the Chiefs did. So it'll be really interesting to see. But, I mean, the press conferences here have been great. I think everyone's really behind the Bengals defense behind Lou Anarumo and I mean he's just done a brilliant job with his players and and at the end of the day like he's a player's player the guys want to play for him and you know as Sean said right if you're a defensive player and you know that your coach is setting you up for success setting you up to get a pick and make you look good like you're bought (laughs) it
0: all right Phoebe I know you've got to go you've got commitments for talk sport out there on, on Radio Row but I can't let you go without asking you how you think it's going to pan out and perhaps push you for a prediction as well i'm clearly going to push you for for a prediction but as you head into your your first super bowl that you're witnessing in person between two teams who are red hot now how do you see this one panning out
2: to be honest i think you can go one of either way right and and sean's gonna not like me for this but i think it's either going to be a blowout with the rams winning or what i think more realistically is going to be a four point game, essentially, where, you know, we've seen so many games over the past few weeks throughout the playoffs coming down to a field goal. And with these two quite explosive offenses, I've, it might just come down to the kickers. Uh,
0: all right, Phoebe. Well, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy Super Bowl 56. And we look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon.
2: Oh, my gosh. I've been like pinched me moments the whole time that I'm actually going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I couldn't as a coach, so we'll come here as a as a talk sport person.
0: <laughs> Graves on gridiron. Great to have Phoebe Schecter join us live from Radio Row on the show. You do miss Sean that hustle and bustle of Radio Row, but you can certainly sense the excitement now building up, and a sense that there appears to be an expectation out there that the Rams are going to deliver, but. Is that not the point with this Bengals team? Time and time again this season, they've been overlooked, written off, and time and time again, they find a way to confound
1: their critics. Right, and that's been a rallying point for these guys because uh, the feeling of being an underdog or thinking that the world thinks less of you, is just motivation. These guys know what they're doing. They believe in what they have accomplished, and and you can see it in the way they play. They play the entire game. They don't let... uh, when something goes bad, um, they don't let that derail them at all. They understand that this is a, this is the way it is. A life in the NFL, and if you want to be a champion, it's not going to come easy. You're going to have to fight every opportunity that you get. You're going to have to try your best to win it. And and these guys have done that time and time again. When when no one gave them credit for uh, being uh, true competitors, uh, and and I think everybody's guilty of that when it comes to the Bengals this year. And looking at it when they got into the playoffs to think, oh, here comes King Henry. He's going to do so much damage. I was, you know, I was on that train as well. But you realize these guys. You're not alone. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they found a way to get it done.
0: Uh, 33 years since they were last in a Super Bowl. 31 years prior to this postseason since they'd even won a playoff game. Uh, We've already spoken about Joe Burrow and the impact he's had on this Cincinnati Bengals Team, But they also took a gamble in the draft last year, didn't they? When everybody really expected them to take Penny Sewell, the big offensive tackle, to help protect Joe Burrow. And they went in a different direction with rookie wide receiver Jamar Chase. And what, what a result they've had there. One regular season later, over 1,400 receiving yards. The rookie record for receiving yards has gone. And now we look ahead to this weekend's game. And if Jamar Chase was to have 110 receiving yards. He would take the, the record for the highest number of receiving yards by a rookie receiver in Super Bowl history, which coincidentally is held by former Rams wide receiver Tory Holt. And it is possible.
1: Right, it is possible. And and this again, this speaks to the organization and the effect that Joe Burrows had on uh, the front office because – he was one who actually advocated for his wide receiver from college to join him, and it was great that they listened to him. And here's a guy giving up, to some degree, his personal safety for going a, an offensive tackle to protect him, uh, knowing that there's someone out there that he can really connect with and, and, and really change things. And as far as that rookie receiving record or, or record overall, um, as far as receiving, <laughs> uh, Chase is uh, – yeah, I think he's well on his way. If if they have the type of game that they're hoping for, yeah, he'll break that record. Uh,
0: and the other thing Phoebe talks about as well was whether or not Matthew Stafford can avoid turning the ball over. 17 interceptions during the course of the regular season. He'd had a clean postseason until that NFC Championship game when, of course, he threw that red zone interception. And let's be honest, there should have been another interception as well late in the game in the fourth quarter. You've mentioned it. The Bengals have been opportunistic in the postseason. Seven takeaways, a plus five turnover differential. If they can win that turnover battle this Sunday, how far does that go to deciding the outcome of this game?
1: It will be the deciding the, the factor, um, I, and that's and that's the one thing I'm sure the Rams' offensive staff is looking at because they realize that you know Matt Stafford can make all the throws. He can and he can fit the balls in the tight windows. But it's not always wise to try that, and I think that's what it will come down to. The opportunistic defense that the Bengals have, they've been able to shut drives down, score points, do all these things um, that you have to do. You have to be able to accomplish these things if you want to be successful in the playoffs. Uh and it's all about mistakes, it's about penalties. It's, if you can limit these things and come up with the turnovers, then that will that will definitely put you ahead.
0: Of course, on paper you look at these two teams and the star names on the Rams side, I don't think anybody would argue that man for man you'd suggest that they are the better team. But that's the beauty of the Super Bowl, isn't it? These games aren't decided on paper, they're decided on the field. What does your heart tell you? What does your head tell you heading into this game?
1: <laughs> well, I'm like everyone else. If I was just to read statistics and, and look at uh, the highlights of what these guys have done for the Rams up front, that defensive front, I it would be a, a no-brainer. It would say, okay, whoever's that quarterback will feel bad for them because it's going to be one of those days. But then you just can't forget, uh, you know, the Bengals – they have this belief. They have this feeling that it's their time, and they're playing like it. They're taking advantage of every opportunity. And even when it looks like you can count them out and you should count them out, they, they battle right back. And for them to take the game last, uh, well, two weeks ago in the, the conference championship game and and handle it the way that they handled it, uh, they have every opportunity, every right to uh, to be the – The one to host that trophy after this game, the Lombardi trophy, to hoist it up high and show the world that we deserve this. We earned it because they put the work in.
0: All right, well, over the course of the season, I've given my thoughts on several games each weekend heading into the slate uh, on the NFL. We've done all right on the show. An overall record of 39-27, and 8-4 and four against the line in the postseason. I will give my thoughts on this matchup shortly, but I can't let you go, Sean, without asking you how you see this one breaking down.
1: <laughs> oh, You know what? I, uh, I look at this game that um, it's going to be a close game. I, I believe it's so. And it may come down to just uh, just to the kickers, but uh, when I really think about everything I've seen and everything I've uh, uh, you know evaluated with both of these squads, it just comes down to, to two words: who they. You know, <laughs> that's it. that's it. I'm going to Cincinnati.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes it's something that's intangible you know the bengal's this time around have been winning games that quite frankly they had no right winning but it, they've got a tremendous spirit a camaraderie about them sometimes it's just something that you cannot quantify
1: right right you just you can not just feel it yourself but you can see that they feel it you can see that they really believe and it's not just something that that goes without effort it's not something that's just granted to them you see that they've put the work in and they continue to put the work in and these guys aren't afraid. I mean, you, you take a look at uh, how crazy it's been for for that offensive line to try to survive this whole year, giving up that many sacks. Uh, but they're still at it. I'm sure that was one of the first things that they covered in the meetings uh, going into this uh, this uh, <laughs> the final few days before the Super Bowl. And it's going to be interesting. But uh, I just see a fantastic outing by both squads, and it will come down to who uh, – who makes the least amount of mistakes and who's able to make the big plays.
0: Yeah, and, and that team spirit was certainly epitomized by kicker Evan McPherson in the divisional round when he trotted onto the field with a game-winning field goal ahead of him before he even kicked it. He said, well, guys, it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> the ex- exuberance of youth, hey, Sean?
1: <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Well, look,
0: I, I'm with you on this one. I, I really like the, the Bengals. They're four-and-a-half-point underdogs, going into this game as we say on the season on the show the record against the line is 39 and 27 8 and 4 in the playoffs we're looking to make that one game better I'm going to take the Bengals I actually like them to to win it all this Sunday but certainly given 4.5 points over the Rams take the Bengals at plus 4.5 Sean Gale delighted you could afford us the time to join me on the show enjoy this weekend Uh, you'll be coming live on Sky Sports thanks again to Phoebe Schechter out there on Radio Row with Talk Sport this weekend. And all that remains for me to say is enjoy it, guys. You know, Super Bowl Sunday is a once-in-a-year thing. It's an event like no other. It promises to be a cracking matchup. We're certainly anticipating one. Enjoy Super Bowl 56, and we'll talk again soon. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1.
1: That's Richard Graves, the number one.